Without further ado, I present to you the Veterans Day Special Podcast, Session 1 of three sessions, first session being with Gerald Panino, United States Army. Eleven, eleven, eleven. Eleventh hour of the eleventh day of the eleventh month, Allies and German forces put an armistice in effect. However, the Treaty of Versailles was signed on June 28, 1919, even though fighting had stopped November 11, 1918. A 1938 Congress officially recognized Armistice Day as an official holiday in the United States. However, the, with the conclusion of the Korean War and World War II, and at the urging of many veteran service members and organizations alike, on June 1st, 1954, Congress renamed Armistice Day to Veterans Day. Canada and Australia also observe the day, only they call it Remembrance Day. While Britain observes Remembrance Day on the Sunday closest to November 11th, with two minutes of silence in London for those who lost their lives in war. And welcome to the Veterans Day special podcast here on Joint Task Force. I'm your host, Pat Dietrich. And I got a couple guests I'd like to uh, share with you guys. One of them, I'll let him tell you about himself and who he is. And take it take it away. All righty. Uh, my name is Gerald Panino. I'm from uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. Currently in Georgia right now. I am a retired military after 21 years uh yeah so who that who that right right <laughs> so, so you're not a you're not a, a falcons fan huh oh no no <laughs> uh-uh. not at all <laughs> i got you i got you so uh tw- 21 years huh that, that was that's a that's a long career Oh yeah, yeah, definitely full career there. Twenty one years. All right, all right. So, and and what what did you uh when you uh discharged? What did you uh what was your rank when you discharged again? I didn't hear if you. Oh well, you know, obviously I started out as an enlisted soldier and stuff, and then I uh I converted over to uh, chief warrant officer at about my twelfth year. And yeah, I ended up retiring as a CW2. I was an automotive maintenance technician. All right, all right. Now, uh, what kind of stuff did you work on as far as with the automotive maintenance technician? What did that entail? Oh, phew, we worked on everything from uh, little generators all the way up to the tanks. Yeah, and everything in between. So, so you worked on pretty much everything. You knew how to make make everything and anything get back out there on the field and in in a fight or oh, definitely. back in service. Yes, definitely. So, so you had you you had a uh, a pretty important job then. I mean, no, no matter no matter how you look at it, there's people in the background that's always working and doing stuff that you know people don't see, don't give glory to. But you know, that's a pretty important job. 
Oh, yeah, most definitely. There was only like, at any given point, there was only like 900 of me in the entire military, so. Mm. Now, um, with, with what you're doing, how did you have any uh, uh, troops below you uh, that was working under you, or how, how did that work as far as your, uh, when, when you uh, became a CW2? Oh, yeah, definitely had troops under me. Um, mainly, I had, you know, like, anywhere from two to probably six e7s yep and uh of course they had their troops and stuff that you know they were in charge of and i oversaw the whole situation you know okay okay so I, I'm a, that's quite a bit of uh responsibility i mean not only with the, with, the, with the uh uh vehicles or whatever you had to uh service or, uh but the the troops as well that you had to oh. you know keep in line or, or uh, supervise, should I say, manage. Oh, yes, definitely. Yep. So, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I should have started this out. Let me, let me, let me, let me backtrack. I'm sorry. I should have did this first. Thank you for your service, sir. Oh yeah. yeah. No yeah. problem. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So uh, now what, what year did you go to boot camp? Uh, 1993, March. Okay. And where did you go? I went to Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Now, now, how how was Fort Jackson? Well, I went in. I went in March. It was it was pretty okay, except it it was really cold. Believe it or not, <laughs> the year I went, it was really really cold. Like they said, one of the coldest years. Yeah. Oh man. Well, that's uh, you know, thinking down 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 south, it it wouldn't be that cold. Right. Well, that. <laughs> It so was that definitely wasn't a vacation shocking, at all. Sure. <laughs> oh no, no, not at all. Uh -uh. Mm. So now, uh, in in your twenty one years, did you ever go back? Did you uh, were you ever on bases where they had boot camps? at? did you see uh, any differences between boot camp nowadays or right when you were getting out or during your service that changed from when you when you first went? Uh, only, only one duty station I was at that actually had boot camp. That was Fort Benning. Um, mm -hmm. yep. In Georgia and pretty much the same. Yeah. Pretty much the same as what I went through it a little, a little bit more lax now it seems, but then when I went through, but it's, it seems like it's been getting that way throughout my whole years anyway, you know, so. No, it lacks as far as. Well, not a, not as disciplined, believe it or not. Yeah. Really. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, you know, uh, being as big, you know, we, we we all hear stories, but you know, unless you talk to somebody that's been there, that might have been there when, like, when you were there, and or before then, and then people who are there now, you know, you really don't, you you really don't know. I mean, you know, there, I, I've heard stories of, you know, them having. Uh, cards that they give to their uh, DIs for for uh if, if they're feeling feelings get hurt or whatever you know and you know but nobody there's no nobody's ever confirmed or denied that but that, that's not it seems kind of far-fetched but it, it's just things that are out there you know and it's and, and like what you said you know it seems a little lax as far as discipline goes and that that would kind of go along with it so I don't know if that's just a, a rumor mill that somebody started because of you know, their feelings that like what you said, that it seems like it's laxed, you know, or, or if that's uh, really what's going on, but that's, that's kind of crazy. 
Right, right. That was, it was more after my time when all that happened. I mean, you know, like they couldn't, couldn't take us behind the woodshed and touch us or beat us or nothing, you know? So right. that was, it started then, you know, and then, but they sure would holler and scream at you and curse at you and all that good stuff still. But, you know, ever since now, you know, they, they don't do that. They talk to you more like a normal human being and stuff, which you kind of lose some of your discipline and, you know, the, the military loses its vulnerability that way. But as far as the whole stress cards things too, I had always heard that, but I never knew if they really ever implemented that. So now you know, I, I just thought of something because you know a lot of people might, uh, we, uh, we haven't really got into this, but you know we've known each other for a while now. We we game together, we game together way back in the day, PlayStation Two days, right. and and uh, you know you and everybody else that was down there in Hawaii and a couple other dude stations you were at. But, you know, your name used to be Stress Man. And when we just started talk, talking about the stress cards, that just popped in my head. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've had that name for a very long time. Yeah, and then even, believe it or not, even when I went from AOL to Yahoo, that happens to be, you know, my Yahoo email. One of, one of my emails is, it includes the word stress man in there. Right. Yeah. Now, now so, how, let me ask you, how did that, how did that come about? I'm sure we've went over this, but how did that actually come about? I don't, I don't really remember. I think it, it was more from what, when we was playing the game, I would like, you know, pretty much stressing out during the game saying, Oh, this ain't right. Or this, <laughs> this isn't cool and stuff. And I think right. all of a sudden I can't remember if it was you or, one of the other guys that just said man this guy's really a stress man you know he's stressing so much and that's that's kind of how i remember it i just don't know that sounds you know, like how some doc really would say. yeah doc doc might have done that yeah uh, 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 one of the guys i just can't remember yeah well, you know doc was uh doc was a navy guy too well oh, not too okay. he, he was in the navy he, right he, yeah 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 but yeah, uh, that sounds like something that uh, he he would he would say, and you know things like that stuck. So, but yeah, oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> so uh, what, have you ever been on any deployments? Yeah, I've I only went on one deployment. Uh, it was at my 16th year, mm -hmm. and it was to Iraq. Of okay. course, it, it was only for one year, and it was right in the the time of they were changing from, believe it or not, like a normal. Operation Iraqi Freedom to the New Dawn, believe it or not. So I had about eight months of the Operation Iraqi Freedom, and then the other four months was the whole Red Dawn part. So okay, yeah, were, mm -hmm. so so then you you have two? Did you get two? Uh, I don't know what the uh, 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 I did get two of the little ribbons for yeah, that. For okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't know if it was ribbons or citations. I didn't want to say the wrong thing, but I, I, yeah, I knew yeah. it was something. Yeah, that's what it Somewhere, is. Yeah, unit, right. unit citations, because okay. my unit, we were within both. So we, we did get both unit citations, yes. Okay, well, that's cool. So now, what was your, I mean, obviously you're in the military, so, you know, uh, obviously, you know, and your your soldier first obviously for anybody who doesn't know that you know going in the military that you know I, I think that they try to instill that in you at least they did from, oh, from yeah. what i've been told so but what was your primary uh duty uh when you're in iraq i basically did the same thing 
just at a, an, a more intense level as far as running like the motor pools is what I did, you know, back in Garrison. But then when we deployed, we still ran motor pools over there. It was just always outdoors with tents and things like that. So it, it was pretty much the same job, just more at an intense level. Okay. So now for, for those that might be listening and, and aren't, uh, aren't up to speed on some of the uh, terminology, what, what is what is a motor pool? A motor pool is where they keep all of the vehicles and they uh, maintenance them and service them and keep them functioning and going and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Now, um, you might not remember, but I'm, I'm, uh, I figure I ask anyways. Do you, do you know? Was there a certain uh, number that you guys had to put out every day when you guys were over there, based uh, uh, different from what you did when you're back at Garrison or? Uh, what was what was the expectations i guess well no um you know back at, at the garrison level during the particular you know unit i was in that deployed i had about 400 vehicles so in generators and all that and they didn't as much focus on the servicing capabilities of everything you know doing your annuals and biannual type services and stuff they were truly mainly just making sure everything stayed functional and of course as soon as something went down we had to obviously get it up as fast as we could and you know keep all of the vehicles going and stuff and of course they still did their same procedures of checking it out daily making sure everything was good and if not, you know, they'd let us know like right away. So right, right. So now say uh say a unit was out uh and one of the Humvees got hit by IED, but it wasn't destroyed. Would you guys go grab that Humvee and bring it back to the motor pool to work on it? Or how how, how would that work? Uh it depends on how bad, obviously, the vehicle got damaged to where they would just totally destroy it even further. Or there was an actual wrecker team that went out and they were contracted civilians and they okay. would bring uh, dead equipment back to our motor pool. Oh, OK. OK. Mm -hmm. So that was some of the uh, contract individual, a lot of the contract individuals that we heard about, you know, obviously during Iraqi uh, war and everything else. And, you know, even going into uh, Afghanistan, I think there was quite a bit of the, um, contract stuff going on over there. If I, if, if right. I, if I'm, if I remember correctly, that is correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what made you, what made you enlist? Well, I mean, obviously to serve the country, I always wanted to, I was in a JROTC in a high school things like that. I always knew I wanted to. My uh, uncle and my grandpa were, they served as well. And, you know, mainly the biggest reason is obviously job security. At that time in my age, it's, it's probably sort of like it is now, obviously, in the, the civilian world. It's, there was really no, no jobs with sustainability for a career. So I did it for the whole job security. I, I knew if once I ever joined, I was going to stay as a lifer always. Right. Knew. So right. I figured, let me just jump on in there and get it, get started, you know? Right. Right. Okay. And, and you know, I think, uh, I think a lot of people that join that are, are our age, um, 
that did join. I think that was, I think that I would think from talking to those that did that I know that was their reasoning as well. That was one of their foundations on why they wanted to join, you know, because, you know, they wanted to serve their country, you know, because that was the big thing back then, you know, whereas now it seems like it's not so much that of, of getting in and getting more like a, a resume builder type deal. So, right. Know, that's that's, that's yeah. kind of what it seems like now. It's like, oh, well, join the military for a few years and do what I can to get out, get all the benefits, and then, you know, go from there. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the way I've seen it, too. Because, I mean, obviously, when I joined in 93, it was two years after Desert Storm, and I was only 22 at the time. I, I wasn't even up on the, the whole Desert Storm thing, really, other than right. just – you know, we're just attacking, you know, and stuff right, like right. that. So, yeah, it, it wasn't about, you know, all that for me. It was, it was more to, you know, have the job security and stuff. You know, I, I was only working at like, you know, fast food and, you know, Domino's pizza and things like that. And right, said, right. Oh, this, this ain't working, you know, right, <laughs> right. out of high school. I, yeah, I got to go to something. And always I should have done it, obviously, sooner when I first got out of high school, but right. I didn't. And I really don't even know why I didn't write out of high school like that. But yeah, I mean, sometimes, you, you know, things take time and, and, uh, you know, you had to sit on for a minute and think about it and get your, get your life together. Yeah. I, think, I, I think everybody goes through that stage. Oh yeah. So, so now let me ask you, what does veterans day mean to you? Well, I mean, it's obviously to me to, you know, honor all of the, all of the soldiers, no matter what, whether it's, you know, past, present, future, everything, uh, every soldier that should be their day to, you know, get honored and respected. And yeah. And, you know, it, it doesn't probably happen really as much as it should, or it gets sort of, you know, all these places and people claim and say they do things but they they really don't but yeah yeah, that's that's what the big the big thing is for me for you know just taking that step for these people to join and serve and you know for whatever reason they did you know right yeah i i i kind of i kind of have to agree that the the perception nowadays doesn't seem like the same perception of what we had back back around you know the gulf war and stuff like that or even before then i mean when soldiers come home nowadays from fighting there's not big parades there's not masses of groups out welcoming them home it's pretty much the families it seems like nowadays just going there and welcome home or or veterans veterans organizations going doing that but that's what it that's what I see um, a lot of. Um, I could be wrong. I'm not everywhere, but that, that's 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 the sentiment that I get from you know the the um, um, the wars. I mean, no matter how everybody wants to stream it or or flip it or whatever else, the, our, Iraq was a war. Afghanistan was a war. It might not have been a World War One, World War Two type deal, but it was. It was pretty extensive uh, fighting over there. I mean, people were losing lives and 
you know, people were, you know, it was, it wasn't fun. Right. Yeah. No, no, not fun at all whatsoever. (laughs) And I mean, you're right. The whole, you know, celebrating the return of units and soldiers is, is just declined so much. But then again, there's, there's not as many people, you know, deployed either as well lately to where, you know, on my time of going through it and at that mid age for us, you know, there was a tremendous amount of people deployed. So I guess it was really, you know, shown a lot more than, than it really is now. It has totally changed. I'd say probably in the good past, I want to say probably 15 years. So, yeah. When you went to MEPS, where, uh, how was it? How, how did you, what was your overall experience of MEPS when you went? Oh, MEPS was okay. It seemed like, you know, it was just a big facility. It was real all nice looking and stuff. And, um, you know, they just start doing your physicals and paperwork and stuff like that. By that point, believe it or not, by the time you get to the MEPS, you've already pretty much you know, told the, your recruiters at the recruiting stations you wanted to be there. They they set up the appointment, should I say, I guess, to, to go there to finalize everything. So, and right. it was just, it was like a big old sort of half school thing where you tested, you know, to see what you would get and stuff, like what, what kind of jobs you would get offered and stuff. And then they would also even do physicals and everything there too. So they had the whole medical side of it as well so right 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 yeah i mean i i I never uh was able to but i i I did go to i did go through maps um uh, i did take the i did take the the asvab twice once out of high school and then i tore my acl so i wasn't able to go uh Mm -hmm. then then after 9-11 came i tried again and uh I went to MEPS and still wasn't able to go because of uh, my my ACL, my hearing, and my color blindness. They they they, they weren't really uh, too fond of all that, you know. That was a little <laughs> too much for them. They and they weren't hurting for soldiers by any means. So yeah, yeah. Especially after nine eleven. I mean, it seemed like there was an influx after nine eleven for sure. I mean, that kind of brought brought the country together. I think. You know, oh yeah, I, definitely in that aspect. Definitely like like I was telling you before, even after like Desert Storm, it didn't seem so much. But when nine eleven really happened, that that now truly a lot of those soldiers that joined definitely joined for the country. Right. For real. They they were giving it all to the country, man. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So now when you when you uh when you took the ASVAB, I mean, did you know when you took the ASVAB that your testing scores were going to dictate what kind of job you could, you could uh, get, or did you just said, "Oh well, doing this is one of the tests they're doing," and go from there? I didn't really, I didn't really know what to expect. Obviously, after I took the ASVAB, I didn't know it dictated what you could get and stuff. And I, I just know once the guy came to me. At first, basically, he only really offered me, believe it or not, to be either infantry or Russian linguist. And I was like, wow, what, what did that have to do with how I tested, you know? And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, and then I started thinking, A Russian linguist, well, huh? Y- yeah. And then I kept saying, well, maybe I tested kind of poorly on the 
not not to say anything against the infantry, but usually that's sort of you know thinking well that's anybody or everybody is going to get infantry but you're not you're not offering me anything else (laughs) right right so i'm thinking personally at first wow i must have scored pretty badly not to get (laughs) offered anything (laughs) right and i started thinking well maybe i scored so high they're trying to get me to be this russian linguist because they even told me you'd go to school for like a whole year and if you didn't end up graduating you were even out of the military altogether. And I was like, well, I'm not gonna put risk that, risk the fear <laughs> of not passing to not do it. Right. I'm not gonna do it. I, I just, I didn't wanna be infantry. So I said, well, maybe I just need to to go away, you know, and maybe come back later or something, you know? And, right. and then as I went to leave, the guy was like, well, what do you wanna do, you know? And I told him anything to do with like finance, money, uh, mechanics, things like that. And mm-hmm. that's when he said, well, give me, give me about an hour. I'll be back. And then that's when he came back with this, you know, position of being like a, a light wheel vehicle mechanic, you know? And I said, Oh, okay. Light wheel vehicle. Well, okay. Probably cars and stuff. And the guy was like, no, no, it's more, more advanced cars. Obviously that's military vehicles, you know, you Humvees and deuce and a half, five tons and things like that. And I was like, Oh, I said, but yeah, being a mechanic and stuff, I said, yeah, yeah, let's do. Okay, I, I'm down with that. Yeah, sounds right. Good. Very interesting. I'll go for it. Yep, and that was that was all she wrote on that. So, so now every, everybody hears horror stories of of a recruiter telling them one thing and then you know doing another, so on and so forth. And honestly, what you just said sounds kind of along those lines. Where you know he 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 was he was trying to get some numbers, maybe. And well, he yeah. needed you, and I and think, he was just going to put you in, and then oh, well, you didn't. That's what you were going to do. You're going to walk out. So he, he was trying to make that sale. Right, right. And I mean, the guy, the guy even told me, you know, not at first like that, but when I did pick, you know, the light wheel vehicle mechanic, he he told me sort of, which I kind of knew a little bit already, but they they have quotas, believe it or not, for certain jobs that right. they have to try to recruit because they'll. They'll get like a hot list, you know, that tells them, hey, we need more of these right now. We're kind of kind of getting short on them. Either people are either retiring from that those positions or getting out or medically getting discharged from those particular jobs and stuff. So, you know, and of course, infantry is always going to be their number one hit. You see? Right. So I'm like, OK, you know, and then, yeah. So he, to me, he didn't pretty much lie to me. Now, did he try to get over on me? Yeah. I kind of knew already. So, so most people, do they probably just take it because they think, well, that's all I qualified for or, you know, wow, you know, that's all I'm getting. Okay, I'll take it to get my foot in the door or what have you. Right. But, yeah, I, I kind of knew better because I never really originally just wanted to be infantry, you know. Right. All right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it all, all, all boils down to the needs of the military. I mean, you know where they where they need people at you know and you go from there i mean because you know i I know people say oh well you know i yeah i went into infantry but then i moved around afterwards and you know some for some people that that's an option you know and and some people they 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 obviously might like infantry oh yeah oh yeah definitely and then even like once i once i took that position and i got into it and everything i really liked it and everything and i also ended up finding out that 
it is the second largest MOS in the Army. Really? And there's like 306, believe it or not, MOSs in the Army. And it is the second largest because they need so many mechanics to keep all the equipment going from, like I said, from generators. I mean, little bitty old generators down to these big old tanks and stuff. So, yeah, maintenance and mechanics is it's the second largest ordeal in the Army. Yeah. So I was like, wow, that's, you know, I kept thinking, oh, yeah, I just got picked out of the cream of the crop there you know? <laughs> right, right. But, but then again i was like wow this this is really cool now I, I play a big role in keeping the entire army moving you know right right yeah and, and i oh, guess yeah. that you know that also goes to show because you know obviously you know some people you know you hear the stories of well you get into certain spots and you can't there's no really you can't progress much because there's so many people there's a vast number of people in there so but I mean, it goes to show you that, you know, you, you were on top of your game on what you're doing because you, you moved up. I mean, regardless, I mean, whether you made uh CW at 12 years or six years, you still moved up within, within that. And you, like you said, it, if it's the second largest, that's a pretty good accomplishment. Then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, after like the first year and a half, when I really knew I liked what I was doing, I said, yeah, now it's time to progress. And obviously the room is going to be there to do it, you know? Right. So I just took off with it, you know? And granted, I, I just, I was still so much in the enlisted realm going all the way up to like, I had made E7 before I converted over, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't until I had a, a senior warrant come and tell me, look, you need to really put in a packet to be a warrant and stuff. You, you would make really good at doing that, you know? And I, I never really gave it much thought at first. I kept thinking, man, I'm E7. I'm going to be up for E8 soon enough or whatever. I said, man, I'm, I'm really doing good at, you know, cause around 12 years is probably the average for E7. So I had just made it at about 11 and a half. So I said, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm on pace now. You know, everything's kind of, calm down because there were so many of us you know and right. then, so i said it's okay you know i'm good and then when he told me that and i put in that packet like that and then they once they accepted me i said oh wow man what, what now now i'm really moving you know so, right right yeah i was i was very you know taken back at first but then definitely honored to be able to do that you know right. so so now again for for those that might be listening and who don't aren't too too up on the lingo e7 that's what what, uh rank are you it's a sergeant first class okay and then now what is the difference between the i mean because you did when you went from e7 to to uh over to uh uh chief warrant officer you didn't you didn't change jobs correct you pretty much had the same job or you or I had, that changed well right because at a, at a7 level I was being like platoon sergeant and then I was being like the motor pool sergeant you know in okay. charge of the troops mainly right. you know and then when you become a warrant you're definitely in a big big le- bigger leadership role should I say so okay. then you really got you go into all these meetings with the higher ups and a lot of brass and captains and lieutenants and majors, even full bird colonels, you know, and 
you know, you're, you're in a real leadership position then and you, you're taking the hits for everything that happens at the multiple period. I mean, everything, you right. know, and yeah, so you're having to make sure it's just a lot more responsibility. Right. Time. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so now I, I know we kind of touched on this earlier, but your, your, your boot camp experience, when you first got the boot camp, what was your first thoughts? My first thoughts were the same thing as I, I think a lot of people would say, what in the world did I get myself into? <laughs> and, and not using those particular words. Right, right, I mean, right, right. Like what in the, yeah, right. Uh, he, he, so, hey, the people, the people know this is, you can, you can say however you want to say it. This is, this is, this is freedom of speech here, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it was, it was pretty intense, pretty crazy. Right. And you know, I, I kept looking around and you, you could see people were really scared though. I wasn't scared. I was right. just like, wow, this, this is for real. You right. know, I, I'm here. And <laughs> right. Did, did I really just do this? You know, where, you know, they did have some people were scared and some were just, you know, like, Oh, whatever, you know? And of right. course, then you, you already like that you, in the future, you could tell, who's really not going to kind of make it, who's going to make it, who's going to like it, or who's going to even go on, you know? Right. Um, right. Yeah. But yeah, I was, I was like, wow. Yeah. I, I got myself into some deep shit here. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's, I think a, a lot of people hold that same sentiment. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> So now, did you? you uh, what, what was some of your most memorable experiences during boot camp? Uh, just basically learning a lot of things I never ever thought I'd get the opportunity to learn. You know, and it, it, uh, multiple I, uh, multiple things of learning too, like everything from you know keeping keeping your 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 uniforms and regular clothing and all just neat and orderly and a lot cleaner to all the way from shooting weapons and learning how to to fight hand to hand and all this kind of stuff i mean you're going from being a killer to you know oh being all humble and keeping yourself clean and orderly and stuff it's yeah yeah it's 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 a process oh yeah it's definitely a problem i mean you know so so now let me ask you do you take some a lot of that stuff that you learned in boot camp or while your time in the military do do you still find yourself i mean folding your clothes the same way and putting them in your drawer the same way making your bed the same way i mean do you do you still do those things now yeah i even put my my shoes in line under the bed yep i still do really it's crazy how this stuff really sticks with you I mean, it's, and I don't think whether I did only five years or 21 years, I would still do it because it was, it's just, it's instilled in you and it it just, it never goes away. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to tell you that there's certain things that they don't do anymore. Now, granted, I don't make my bed no more. I'm glad I don't have to make the bed anymore. See, I just roll out of bed and say, fuck it. Yeah. And and the the wife is even like, come on, at least just throw the blanket over to make it look like it's made. I'm like, no. I did that for 20 years. I don't have to do it now. Yeah. And 
And the whole shaving thing. You had to shave every single day. Right. Ooh, I'm so glad I don't have to shave or make my bed. But everything <laughs> else, it's still just right on long, right on line, you know? Yeah, see, I can, I can relate to that because, you know, I, 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 I spent some time um, at, in uh, working in state prison. And uh, I still find myself because I, I, I embodied myself in that. Like, like you embodied yourself as a soldier and doing your job there. I did that same thing as a correction officer. And that was my life. Um, That's right. I remember and, all that. Yeah, you know? and and I my you know my wife now you know we'll be out and I always have to sit um, so I can see the door. I'll go in, you know. I'm always on guard. Um, I'm I'm looking mm-hmm. for entries, exits, so on and so forth. Looking at people, looking at how they're moving. I mean, just all that, and and I I still do that. It's it is and it's a habit. It's not something I. Uh, voluntarily do it's it's an involuntary action that i've learned a learned behavior that you know kept me alive while i was working inside the prison and and you know so i i can definitely relate to that that's uh, yes same same thing it it definitely creates even patterns of ocd believe it or not right yeah (laughs) well i'm i'm not I have a little OC, not a whole lot. I'm not, I'm not uh, that bad, definitely not. Well, I could tell you, my wife even tells me when we like take pictures or whatever, mm-hmm. she's like, "Man, you're like standing at attention. What are you doing? Relax your arms and stuff. They're like directly by your side." I said, "Hey, that's just what was. That's it. That's the yeah. way it was instilled in me." Yeah, <laughs> and, and see, and like a lot of my pictures, my wife does the same thing because I'll, I'll either stand with my hands down on my side. Or you know, one on top of the other, um, you know, down mm-hmm. down by yeah. my waist, and you just just ready, you know, t- for whatever comes at me. I mean, you know, because that's that's what that's what kept me that's what kept me going. That's what that was my defense mechanism. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's hard to get out. It's hard to get away from that, you know. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So now, when you when you were in boot camp, did did was there like a you know you hear the stories of rite of passages and stuff. And then, you know, um, stuff like that, you know, I know, uh, everybody talks about the Marines, how they, you know, uh, punches or push the, uh, globe and anchor into their chest and stuff like, like hazing type deal. Um, did, did you, did you encounter that while you were at boot camp? No, not as far as anything like that, any kind of, um, like a fraternity type thing. No, because we were all in the same boat, you know, so nobody really knew what to expect. So you couldn't do that. Now, if there was ever a soldier that would cause us problems or issues to where we would get in a lot of trouble or mass punishment, things like that. Oh, yeah, there was blanket parties. Blanket parties. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. There was definitely that. The infamous blanket parties. Yes, 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 yes. So, uh, do you still remember your uh, DI from boot camp? Uh, yeah, there was two of them. One was okay. named Williams, and one was Wallace. The one guy, Williams, he was, believe it or not, he was from Trinidad. Oh, okay. And he he talked funny. And <laughs> at about week six, you know, you start getting pretty comfortable with them. And we would always make fun, like when he was what they called smoking us, you know, making us like, you know, burn us out, do push ups and jumping jacks and all this kind of stuff. You know, we 
you know, he would either sing something or, you know, say say my name or whatever, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And when when he would say his name Williams, it would sound funny. So we would say it funny back. <laughs> and he would say, that's not my name. Don't make fun of me like that. And everybody just start busting out laughing. It, and of course, it would make it worse on us. But right. it, it was all in fun by then, you know. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, right. it was pretty cool because they talked funny, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. so did you ever did you ever see him again in in, uh, in your time in service? No, I ne- I never seen him anywhere. Nope, on the out on like in units or passing or anything. Nope. So now uh, your AIT. Where did you go for AIT? Stayed at Fort Jackson. So you not. stayed stayed at Fort Jackson. So you you had it pretty easy. You didn't have to go uh, go anywhere for AIT. Now, did you go home after basic, or did you stay there? I had to stay. It started like three days later. Okay. Yeah. And then and then you got a pass. Did you get a pass after AIT before you shipped out to your unit or your first duty station, or how did that work? Yeah, I I could have taken. I think up to. I think at that point, though, I had I had almost like, you know, a month of leave saved up. You save a month in a year. In one year's time, you get 30 days of leave or vacation, holiday. I mean, you know, time off you can take. And, you know, I, I think I only took two weeks to pretty much come home, get my family, and then get to my first duty station, which was uh, Fort Carson, Colorado. You went from, you, you, from Louisiana, went to Georgia. It was a little bit cold there, and then your first duty station is in Colorado. Now, how, how, how was that? Well, Fort, Fort Jackson's in South Carolina, so that's oh, okay. where, yeah, I went to South Carolina. But then, yeah, I went to Colorado. Yeah, and you're, you know, you definitely go into a very cold climate there because it is extremely cold there. And I just kept trying to think back of basic how cold it was, but yeah, it wasn't doing no justice. It, <laughs> it was tremendously cold, and you you just got to get climatized, you yeah. know. And it's it's harder to breathe because you're so much higher up, and it's oh, yeah. it's harder to do your physical training with your running, and oh, and you know the wind and the coldness, and you just yeah, it was hard, difficult. Yeah. Well, you got smarter at some point, and you, you left Carson, and, and, and later later on in your career, uh, you went to Hawaii, right? Yeah, I, Hawaii was like after a few duty stations. I ended up going to Hawaii, though. Yeah. Now, now how was Hawaii as a duty Hawaii, station? It was it was the best duty station for me. I mean, out of all of them, because it, it was just beautiful, awesome. You know, it. I, work just as much as you would at any other duty station so but there's nowhere really you can go like out of state you can't visit nowhere so you got to pretty much stay not even in the state but on that particular island so right you know it, it was so you could you couldn't borrow well, a blackhawk or something and fly over to another island or anything like that no no i mean <laughs> they, they found upon they, that <laughs> Yeah, they they would do it obviously now for training and stuff. You would right, go right. to other islands and stuff. I I never actually got the luxury of doing that, believe it or not. Though oh, right. I always just pretty much stayed on that island. Yeah, so, I mean, you 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 had a good group with you, if I remember right, and 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 uh, uh, you had your motorcycles. So I I I, I do remember that that aspect of it. I remember you guys talking about your motorcycles all the time. 
That's yeah, good. the whole group I hung out with, we were all like motorcyclists and we were gamers playing right. the video games. Nothing like what they do these days. It's totally out of control these days. But, I mean, yeah, very tight fit group, you know, real good buddies and stuff. And right. more so in Hawaii than other duty stations too, believe it or not. So did you get any specialized training while you were AIT? to do jump school or that was that option or any other specialty? No, people, people can put in for it if they really wanted to. I wasn't, I wasn't interested, believe it or not, in doing any kind of like airborne, aerosol, none of that kind of stuff. And you didn't want to jump out of a perfectly fine airplane? Oh, definitely not. I'm not one of them. <laughs> no. They call me leg all day. I walk around everywhere I got to go. Yeah, yeah. I, I do have a buddy who was airborne he, he, he loves it. And my cousin, uh, did some stuff like that and he loved it, but yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm not all about that. I, I'm a little afraid of heights to begin with. And then you'd want me to do that. Now I'm, I'm cool. I'll, <laughs> I'm just, cool. I'll keep myself on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it brings me back cause you know, watching like, uh, the band of brothers and, you know, they, they talk cause, uh, talk about the airborne, um, you know, how they had to, where they showed they jumped out on D-Day out of those planes with with anti-aircraft fire going at them, machine gun fire, and all, all they got is a parachute. They're, they got to get to the ground first. And I just can't imagine that. I mean, that, that would be – I mean, the, the men that did that were a special breed, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I was even – like, there's only two places you can do air assault, and that's Fort Campbell, Kentucky – and in Hawaii, and I was stationed at both at one point. Right. And then airborne, you know, they do it pretty much there, Fort Benning, Georgia. I was right. stationed there. And it's like, out of all those times of me being there, I never once ever did either one of them. And never. I was like, I was okay with it, you know? Right. <laughs> right. I was like, hey, I'll leave all that to y'all. Y'all can do it all y'all want. Right. You know? I'm going to stay down here and I'll work on the stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna keep that vehicle running though, and <laughs> right. make sure I can haul tail out of it. Right. Yeah. Now you, you didn't. Now you, you didn't work on. Did you work on helos and and Blackhawks and all that, or no? No, that's total totally different. No, so that's a different class or okay. anything. Yeah, yeah, okay. totally different. Yeah. So you you guys are just like like land vehicles then. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So now when you when you deployed, were you in? Uh, hostile obviously you, i would assume you're getting or you're getting hazard pay and all that were you right. in a hostile environment hot zone or yeah in, in iraq i was i wasn't really in that much of a hot zone area but we was definitely still able to get hazard pay and stuff like that and but the area i was in we were like they would still go on little missions they would leave the the base and stuff and go on patrols and all kinds of things like that and there was even times where they would take groups of people and we would go into the Iraqi like city or something. And we were, we were teaching the Iraqi military our actual jobs of what we did to help them do their jobs. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty cool. I, w I only had to go one time and, you know, I went to like the, one of their maintenance facilities, you mm -hmm. know, and they had stockpiles of, parts and stuff for their equipment so they never even had to worry about like ordering it waiting for it to come in i mean they had their stuff and <laughs> they were literally 
breaking down the complete engines and rebuilding them and stuff. And all we would do is just engine swap, right. you know, to, or part swap. Well, they're rebuilding these actual parts and stuff. So they were like wanting us to train them. And I'm like, you know, they got kind of upset with me when I would tell my people, hey, there's nothing I could teach these people. They are even kind of more advanced than me, you <laughs> know, because they're sitting here like totally rebuilding the actual part that's going to go into the, the vehicle. I mean, I would see them with whole Humvees just totally disassembled and ready to put back together and stuff. And I'm thinking, man, I just changed a starter last night. You know, what, is, <laughs> what am I going to teach this person? You right. know? And, and they kept trying to force me to force our ways on them, you know, and that was one thing I didn't see too much eye to eye with my hires because mm -hmm. I kept saying, sir, you know, they are really doing it in a good way. You know, there's, why do I want to instill what we're doing? Not saying that we're not more superior than them in all actuality, but look at it, sir. They're, they're well, you know, they know what they're doing here, yeah. you know? And he was like, at one point, well, maybe they're not because look, they got all this stuff broken down, but none of it's being put back together. And right. I'm like, well, you kind of have a point there. So, <laughs> right, right. you know, but then you got to try to tell them and translate and, I finally told, you know, Maya, I said, this is kind of, kind of not for me. You know, I, I got to more stay back with my troops. I had two separate motor pools on the base. I was having to, to maintain and right. operate and function. I said, I myself can't really take the time away to do this. Right. I said, now I'll ask a couple of my, you know, E7s at the time and the, you know, E6s if they want to come and do it. And right. then I said, you know, they're, they're more than well and capable to do it as well, you know? Right. And they were like, oh, delegation. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was more of a, a better way anyway, you know? And I said, they're used to teaching their troops, you know, everything to where right. it's better for them to teach, you know, than me and stuff, you know? Right, so, right, right. and so it ended up working out that way as well too. So. All right. How many, your first contract you signed, you know, when you obviously when you go to MEPS, you sign a contract to be with the military for X amount of years and so on and so forth. When did you re-enlist and how was that process for you? It was, uh, I re-enlisted at four years. I did a four years to begin with. And then at about three and a half, I went ahead and re-enlisted. And I think I did another three. I think I did another three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the first re-enlistment too much because it was, let's see, I guess it was, because it might've been when I was in Korea, believe it or not. And yeah, I remember yeah. that. Cause we were, we were all trying to get you to get us some uh, cheap playstations and TVs and stuff when you're <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and, and of course I had a little bit of, you know, personal civilian type troubles there too i don't right, remember right, right. much yeah, of that yeah. as well either but yeah so yeah, I, yeah. but I, th I think i re-enlisted there because i had like less than a year when i was to come back to the states and you can't you have to have more so that's kind of one of those catch-22s where well i guess i'm forced to re-enlist then if i'm going to stay in and all that kind of stuff so right. either way i did and then i came back and but the reenlistment I think I remember the most was when I was in Hawaii as well. I mean, because I was at, I think pretty much at 10 years, you, when you reenlist 10 years, you're pretty much reenlisted indefinitely. So yeah, you're, 
So once you enlisted ten years, then you 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 enlist for another ten. Is that? Yeah, it oh, it okay. put me out. It put me out until my retirement date and everything. Yeah. Okay. And now you still got. So there's no there's do... no option to do anything less than is that, or or. Right at okay. ten years, you, you're automatically going in depth. Okay. Right. Um, but there was some kind of some kind of six year thing at six years, you got to do something else to sort of, I guess in a way I, it's crazy, but like renewing your house in a way, I guess. Right. You know, right. You're, yeah. You're redoing, <laughs> but I mean, by you then, didn't have I to go through already, boot camping in, did you? No, no, no. Thank God of not that. But of course, once that happened, I was in the process of going through the whole to be a warrant. Well, right. you do go to a, a, a warrant school, you know, warrant officer candidate school, mm-hmm. and you got to go through another, you know, 12 weeks of rigorous stuff. And it, it's just like all over again. Right. And you're like, uh oh, here you go. So, but yeah. And then I had to do that. And then, of course, you know, the whole 10 years was out the window. But then when you're doing that, I, by then, at, you know, 12 years, I, I knew I was going to finish anyway, you know, right, and right. of course I knew I was going to go the whole way and I didn't care. And you you got pretty much when you go any kind of officer or warrant officer, you have, I think it's a 10 year commitment anyway. Mm-hmm. So that was going to put me to retirement anyway. So, I got you. Yeah. Now, when you reenlisted, did the ball fall in your court where you could say, okay, I'm going to reenlist, but. Only if I go here and get this this training I want or that training I want, it, well, was I that how it was or no? Well, I try I tried that when they always try to tell you, especially when I when I went to Korea like that, and I, I kept telling them, you know, there's a few places I'll never go. I never wanted to go to Fort Bragg, I never wanted to go to Fort Drum, New York, and I never wanted to go to Korea. And <laughs> I was very adamant about that, and they kept saying, "Well, you're going to Korea, you're on assignment. It's either." sign a deck deck statement get out the military or you're going to korea there's there's no other choice at this point mm. and i was like really and i <laughs> i i that's another point i'm thinking well am i being lied to or what and i would i waited as the longest i could and they kept saying no you you have to go and i was like wow i, I just i did not want to go but i said well if i'm going to be a lifer i gotta go so All i right. went and i said but i only want a condition i want to be able to go back to where i want to go and they were like, oh, yeah, yeah. Once you get there, you know, within the first month, we're going to contact you. And usually people that go to Korea get their duty station of choice. And I was like, all right, you know, I'll be good. Mm-hmm. Well, that was definitely a lie yeah. because about three months, four months into uh, Korea, you know, I started inquiring where where can I go? And the guy was like, well, you can go. Let's do this. I'll give you one of 10 duty stations. I was like, really? <laughs> oh, of course, it was Bragg and Drum and Hood and Benning and Campbell and all this stuff. I said, wait a minute. This is nowhere near what I'm wanting to do here, you know? And to be honest, I can't even remember where I wanted to go at that point, though. Right. I really didn't. I, I didn't even remember where I wanted, but I knew it wasn't none of them. Right. And they ended up, you know, giving me a choice of 10. And he said, look, we're you know here we go again we're not going to budge from these 10 or nothing and i'm like oh god here we go you know <laughs> right, right so you know i i ended up i guess I, that's when i picked the fort campbell kentucky you know and i figured that would be most centrally located to 
you know, of course, then my, my wife, then at that point, her home, my home, everything, it would be in the center of a lot of stuff. So right, right. that's why I choose that so, or chose that, you know. Right, right. But not... some some people do get their choice, though. Believe it or not, and they'll they'll end up getting what they want too. Yeah. Good. So now, how 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 was your transition after retiring from the military to civilian life? It was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, because you know, at around twenty twenty one years, you're you're pretty much ready to to go anyway and get out at like seventeen. Believe it or not, you really are at that point. You know, yeah, you still love it. You still love your job and everything. But by then, you you just you're worn down. You're ready to go. Well, you think you're ready to go. So (laughs) when when I started to transfer, of course, me personally, I got forced out. So was I ready to go? Yes. Was I really ready to go? No. So I had to the whole catch twenty two again. The best of both worlds. I I wanted to leave, but then I didn't. And at that point, I really didn't want to leave because I knew I just needed one more promotion. Do my three-year minimum that you have to do for that promotion. Then I was going to retire, and, and it would have t- totally been on my own terms and all this kind of stuff. So right. to, to back up a little bit, you know, of course, I didn't get the promotion. And usually warrant officers, believe it or not, can stay 40 years in the service, you know, <laughs> and they're the only out of enlisted and officer warrant officers are the only ones that can stay 40 officers yeah. can really only stay 30, I guess, unless you're at the general level, I think generals can stay past it. Other than that, no, to where I, I was like, okay. And it usually your promotions, believe it or not, I hate to say it in this way, but they're, they were mostly automatic. Because at a warrant officer, you're like a technical expert in your field. There's no way they want you to get out. There's no way they want to lose your knowledge and experience. So right. The promotion is going to be automatic. Well, then they, when they started doing the whole drawdowns of both Iraq and Afghanistan at the same time, which needed to be done. It did need right. to be done. But they right. did it too much. And when they did it too much, it kind of put a big damper on making the military very vulnerable it, it got rid of a lot of people. Well, then the promotions really started going down, and they just started like letting people go left and right. Obviously, the most senior people were first for the most right. part, and then I got caught up in the whole situation of being one of the ones. So then right. at, at that point, I wasn't ready. I was like, oh-oh. And they only ended up giving me four months to do all my like clearing and leaving and all my physicals and medical stuff and you name it every single thing they gave me four months to do which wasn't nowhere near enough time but somehow it all got done some of it probably got half-assed the rest didn't really get done it just got pencil whipped in a sense you know just (laughs) check the block you know just to get me (laughs) out of there and right it, it messes with me because you know, I didn't get a lot of stuff that was probably just due to me, you see, so. Right, right, right. Yeah, and. Actually, let me let me back up, because I've been meaning to ask you this, because you, you said at the beginning that they offered you the Russian, um, was it linguist or whatever? Yeah, the Russian linguist. Now, did you know Russian going in, or I was they were just going to train you 
on that. Yeah, they were totally going to train me because I told them I didn't know one word. <laughs> okay, I saw, I, like, oh, I, I didn't. Yeah. I did. I don't ever remember you saying that you knew Russian. I'm like, well, let me, let me backtrack here because I'm like, yeah. I don't remember him saying he knew Russian, but maybe I'm he like, did, and I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> not even Spanish or French. You want to go straight to Russian, huh? Okay, right. <laughs> and I was no. I, I, I said, the, the, you know, one year school. It was a one year school. Oh, wow. And it's in California. And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, granted, I wouldn't mind. Okay, a school, a whole year and you know, California, whatever. I said, but man, if I don't make it, right, I, I'm out. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I was like, wow, yeah, I don't, I don't want to risk that or chance that. So, right. yeah. Right. And then, okay, back to the transition and out, like you were saying, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it, it, it's a totally different world once you're back on the outside because, you know, you're like, you're already living a certain lifestyle, whether it's, you know, above what you think or, you know, kind of below what people think or what have you. But I, I was kind of living even at a point sort of even above my means, obviously, because when you get out, you're not going to make the same money, whether you're retiring or not, you know, whether you get a job or not. And, right. It, it was crazy because, you know, you only get a certain amount on your retirement and things like that. And then your job, when I got out, you're, you, I got a job making like, what was it, nine seventy five an hour. And I'm like, oh, wow. Nine, you know? wait, hold on. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me get this right. You yeah. had 21 years in yes. the military. You were an expert in what they taught you how to do. You, right. You did motor pools. You worked on vehicles. I mean, but... When you got out, you had a job at nine something an hour. That's that's right. Now, granted, did I did I pursue did I pursue a job in my field? No, that was probably be a big downfall for me. Now, I, why why didn't you? Okay, for one, every place doing mechanic work would want, which this is going to be kind of contradictory to what I ended up really doing, but. I didn't want to start out at the bottom again, working in a maintenance shop, you know, having to get all my own tools and all this kind of stuff. And then being the low man on the totem pole and working on all these vehicles. Then when I I started realizing, well, if you go work at like Ford, Chevy, a dealership or something, you really got to know civilian type vehicles. Well, military and diesel vehicles are very plain Jane. It's not like all these computer type systems nowadays. So, I was already going to be at a downfall, hard to get the job and all this kind of stuff. And and then me already being at the level I was at in the military, I wanted to go straight into being like at a dealership, you know, this, the, the service manager already in charge right. of the maintenance guys because of the knowledge and the experience I already had, even though it's different, you know, right, right, rightfully so. Yeah. And, but then I, then I, I thought about it all very deeply and I kept thinking, man, I'm going to be taking away jobs from people that have been working their way up through Ford or Chevy, trying to get to that position I took. Then mm-hmm. there'd be a lot of animosity. It'd be, it'd be crazy. It'd be hell. I didn't want to stop their career progression. I, I thought of all this kind of stuff. And I more looked out for them because I kept saying, I had my career. I had my life already. I just want to do something simple. So that's when I started thinking, let me just start off at the bottoms. You know? Now, granted, did I want to start off that low at the bottom? No. Right, but I right, ended up right. doing that. And believe it or not, 
I, I mean, I went to a big billion dollar company. I went to work for like, you know, Kubota, which was John Deere. They make tractors and ride mowers and stuff. But uh. I even ended up having to, when you go there, believe it or not, to work, you have to start off at a staffing agency even. Right. So here I am. I, to, I told them I, I never wanted to even use the military to get me a job either. Right. I, I, I didn't want to, like, try to trump people that way, you know. I didn't right. want to just leapfrog over people. So I went through the staffing agency, and they're like, yeah, it's going to take you three to four months to even get hired on full-time and all this kind of stuff. I said, I don't mind working at the bottom. I want to work my way up. Totally different new field, and, and, then, and then I could be just like everybody else. And right. even as I was doing that, they they had positions open up to be like a team lead or a, a, a floater that helps train people and stuff like that. And believe it or not, what I would do is I would find out who all applied for it, and I'd go talk to them. And I say, how long you been here? Is this going to be your career? And if so, I'd pull my application from that position because I did not want to stop them ever. So I was doing the right thing, good stuff, and you know, but I didn't mind. Well, that it, says but... a lot about your character. I mean, you know, hey. Oh yeah, of course, it did yeah. hold me back financially, lifestyle-wise, how I was living. Because when I got out, yeah, I was living above my means, a higher lifestyle two brand new cars, payments, all this kind of stuff. So it, it was rough, but I was seeing how civilians had been living all this time too, you see. And I said, wow. So you, you know? made more money in the military in the States than you did as a civilian. Yes. And I could tell you this, with my retirement and what I was making at Kubota as a civilian combined, I was still making less than what I was making in the military. That's crazy. Yes. yes. And we're, we're not even talking about you getting extra for being in a hazard, a hazard duty or, you know, any of that extra. I mean, you obviously, no. clo- clo- you know, you, everybody, I think everybody gets clothing allowance, uh, 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 housing allowance and stuff, depending on where you're at. But we're just talking about your, basic, what every soldier yeah, your gets. Your basic pay. That's right. right. Yep. My that, basic pay because when you get out at, at my particular situation, I got out and you get 50%. Right. So my, but you got to remember, I started out at the bottom versus at a 21 year state. You know? Right. So it's a, take you 20. Now, if I would stay at Kubota 20 something years, yeah, obviously then I would be even above, you know, right. or at the same level of what I was making, you see? So, right, right. you know, it's, it, it just tells you, you, you got to do your time. You know, right. like with anything in the military, as you work your way up, you get more pay, obviously, and it's a being job, same way. So, right, right. But it it was kind of weird and crazy, and everybody couldn't believe. They're like, oh, you're getting your retirement in, you're working here, man. You must be banking, man. Why are you even here? You know, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I said, dude, look, I'm suffering just as much as you. Yeah, I might have this cars and houses and shit, you know, but guess what? I'm still suffering to kind of pay my light bill and water bill because of it, you know? Right. Because so, you went but, from one one pay to, to cutting that literally yeah. in half. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, and I knew it was going to be a financial burden even. And then like, even when you're in the military, like you get your housing allowance and food allowance and all this kind of stuff. And none of it's taxed. You don't really have to claim it on your taxes. You only got to do your, your base pay for taxes. Right. right. So it, it I would always usually get something back, you know? Right. Well, 
when I got out, I got out in like around October of the year. Well, I worked at that Kubota place and granted, man, I was working. How, how much did you deal with the VA? Well, believe it or not, I've been retired almost eight years now. I've never been to a VA place yet. I never even knew there was one close to me, but there <laughs> is a big one, believe it or not, kind of close to me, about maybe 15, 20 minutes from me. I never even realized it until another, you know, soldier had told me, yeah, there's one right there, you know, and I was like, really? And they told me, and I, I still didn't even think nothing of it. And then all of a sudden, one day, since I've been working at FedEx, I went to go deliver, you know, some packages. I was helping a guy on his route. He mm -hmm. was off that day or something, and I was helping, and I had to deliver like next door and didn't know it, and I pull up to go deliver. And I see the big old sign and I'm like, oh, man, this thing is like literally this close right here. I said, wow. So never, never even really knew it, never been. So I kind of I kind of left it alone when when I first got out, the VA really was going down because even even under Obama and then Trump and stuff, they they were wanting to get it fixed. Remember right. when when Trump said we're going to fix these VAs, you know, it, it yeah. needs to be totally overhauled so right. I, I knew when i got out to just kind of kind of leave it alone and not really mess with it and i didn't want to have to depend on it and stuff like that either i tried to to get away from it and, and convert myself back to civilian life so right right yeah. right okay. well i i think uh i think that is all we had that uh we, we talked about discussing um i i definitely uh thank you for uh doing this coming on and, and sharing your story um you know i, I know it was uh it, it was rough trying to get everybody together i mean that that was that was the goal the goal was to get you and uh the the rest of the group together so we could uh, do this but trying to get everybody on the same schedule and everybody's all over the united states now so different time zones and everything else it's just it's just been <laughs> a, a struggle but you know maybe uh, uh, maybe next year uh, we, we can, uh, I can get something better in my podcast to be a little bigger and, you know, I can, uh, maybe I can, uh, have a place where we can all meet up at or something, you know, something yeah. like that. But I, yeah, I think it'll all work out for you in the end, especially even for next year, you know, you, now you got a basis of what to go by and right. it, it, it would have probably been a little better to have everybody else with us because, you know, I would have probably spark people's minds on to remember different things too and then boy right, right. went at it you know what i'm right. saying and exactly yeah and that that would have really made people you know get get into it really right big time you know and oh yeah yeah but you know it, it, it and and that, that was that obviously that was the goal but you know for for that reason you know and and to kind of bring bring everybody together you know because like you said it, it is veterans day it's for you guys so you know, bring you guys together and be able to talk about different stories and hear each other's stories. You know, I, I know when I talk to people who are in corrections, it's always nice, you know, to hear different stories because it's, it's somebody who relates to what I've been through, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, 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 it, it, it's kind of a soothing thing, I guess, oh, I guess yeah. you want to yeah. say. So, yeah, but like I said, I, I do appreciate uh, you uh, doing this. Um, good luck in all your endeavors. And uh, thank you for your service, sir. Oh, yes. All right. Thank you.